touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined as always by the esteemed Mr. Nick Jacobs. Nick, how are you today? I'm pretty sure that sentence has never been used with me before. And uh, I don't know. Only if behind your back. Again. Only behind your back. We, everyone I know refers to you as uh, the esteemed Mr. Nick Jacobs behind your back. Does that, does that offend you? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Peter King in the press box um, um, before the Bills Chiefs. And I, I said, I do a podcast with the esteemed Mr. Nick Jacobs. You met him at training camp. And he was like, oh, yes, the esteemed Mr. Nick Jacobs. I feel like that never happened, and you just made that up. Yeah, I may have embellished that part. I did talk to Peter King. That part, no, I, I did. I talked to Peter King. Okay. <laughs> um, listen, I I got to be honest. How, how, did, how did Todd get this podcast off the rails with a lie already? We're not even like two minutes into it. <laughs> I know. I think I was, right, people are probably turning it off right now. Which is like, yeah, this, this is the way that. Todd's going to go. Like, the, I don't, I don't need this. I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll get back to conversations with Peter King at some point though. So maybe, you know, now maybe it's just a clever hook. Okay. Just, um, <laughs> no, it, look, uh, look, the chiefs lost 24, 20, um, against the Buffalo bills. Um, there are losses like the Colts game where, you know, I think you and I want to rant for a long time about like how bad certain aspects of the team were. I don't know. I mean, I just don't feel that way about this. And maybe it's because I, I, I went into the game thinking that the Buffalo bills were playing better football right now. And I thought they would win. Um, and then I thought the chiefs played fairly well. Um, are, are there issues to clean up? Absolutely. But like, I'll say this again. I, I, you know, you and I talked about this after the podcast last week. I think this game matters a lot more for the bills and their fans. Um, I just do. Um, I don't think the chiefs are anywhere near a finished product. I don't think they're anywhere near what you're going to see in December, January from this team. Um, once the offense is firing on all cylinders and they've, you know, they've worked some of the young guys in the defense and Willie Gay's back and, and things like that. Uh, I think the Bills hit the ground running this year and, and are playing about as well in, through the first six weeks as you can expect the Bills to play. I think they were highly motivated because this is a team that's ended their season the last two years. And I, 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 if I'm the Chiefs, if I'm Chiefs Kingdom, I just don't lose much sleep over this result. Am I wrong, Nick? I mean, it, it gave them, it gave the Chiefs a, a window into what they need to be come playoff time. Now, the, the Chiefs gave a better performance than I was expecting them to. And they, they showed up in some key moments more so than I anticipated some of the guys doing since they haven't been in those pressure situations before because of them being rookies or them being new to this type of atmosphere and this type of game. This was the closest thing the Chiefs are going to face to a high-stakes playoff game for for a little bit. And, and so, like, it was good to see and evaluate how the rookies were doing, how first-year players with the team were doing, and in that aspect of it, to be able to kind of get some answers on some of those guys and if they can kind of withstand the expectation and pressure that uh, playing Chiefs football in this era right now, uh, you know, just how how you have to have a certain level of mental toughness and 
kind of how you have to approach things. So, I mean, you got some answers on some of those guys today and they got some answers on like, if they want to make a move in the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline, they're going to have to find some money under some couch cushions or something like that. But so they, they, if everybody keeps asking, but when you look at the cap space, they currently have, I don't, it moves are going to be difficult to make. So either way, um, I'm not going to take people's hope away. unlike Todd over here. Um, just spitting facts son. I mean, you think they're facts. So I mean, you, who knows, but, um, what the cap space is, is, is not a mystery. I mean, there's things they can do, but, but they haven't done any of those things yet. Like I said, who knows, but moving forward, I mean, we'll see if they do anything in the trade deadline in the next two weeks. If there's a free agent or something that they're going to pick up potentially, but I mean, there's, there's some, there's some opportunities to give this roster a jolt, both in terms of some some people that might be available, but also being able to get Trent McDuffie back and get Willie Gay back. Because not having them on the field today, like they're they're them not being there is magnified by the fact that she's pass rush struggles. You know, because you need you need Willie Gay to be this type of athletic backer and like the chiefs run defense. Part of the reason they've struggled is because they don't have Willie Gay right now. And the production they're getting at one tech is not good. So, I mean, you know, there's these little increments that kind of add up as, as games go along and, and plays go along in, in a game. So it, it, uh, I mean, the chiefs got a measuring stick of where they're at and where they need to be. If they want to be playing long-term in January. I, I I agree. And and I think what I learned today was that I I still think the Chiefs and the Bills are the two best teams in the AFC. Sure. I mean, this, sure. Is, this is a day when when the Baltimore Ravens went out and lost to the New York Giants, right? So the other team that I think was closest to that conversation has already lost. The Chiefs have already beat the Chargers. I mean, if you want to throw the Chargers in there, fine. I still like make the playoffs with Justin Herbert before we start crowning you. I'm still in that mode. But I, I feel the same way. These are the two best teams, um, certainly in the AFC. Um, but I thought that the gulf at this point in the season between the Chiefs and the Bills was a little bit wider than what it proved to be when they were on the field, especially without Rashad Fenton, especially without Trent McDuffie, especially with, with them adjusting one week after losing Turk Wharton, you know, and, and with Willie Gay finishing up his four-game suspension. I mean, I, I really thought there was a chance that um, that that the the Bills could score thirty, maybe even get to forty. Um, the way that they were playing, uh, when you look at how they defended the run against Josh Jacobs six days earlier, you know they had one less day of rest this week, one less day of preparation. Obviously, they didn't have the the travel issues, but there there were a lot of things, especially for that Chiefs defense, that stacked up and suggested to me that it could be a rough rough afternoon. Um, and. and by and large, I thought they acquitted themselves okay. Now, granted, Josh Allen's not always going to throw away a pitch on the opening drive, right? Um, um, you know, and the Chiefs got a little bit lucky, you know, with Darius Harris tipping a couple passes um, on on another drive where they got to stop in the red zone. But look, the the red zone defense is an area the Chiefs have been needing to to work on and get better at, and it, so it was good to see some strides there. Um, I do want to talk about Josh Williams, though, Nick, because he was put in a tough position. There were a couple of times they ran, you know, cover cover one blitzes, cover zero blitzes. You know, weren't, weren't rolling safety helped his side. They were saying, hey, you got to man up on this one. The blitz didn't get home. 
you know, or Josh Allen bought time in the pocket, um, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, you know, and Williams got, got, he got beat bad on the Gabe Davis touchdown. I thought he actually was in good position on the Steph Diggs touchdown, um, you know, and just didn't make the play, but I'll tell you what I love about it. Um, I talked to him after the game and he basically said, I've got to do better. Like on the Steph Diggs touchdown, he, he said, look, I got to get better hands at the line. I got to find the ball and I got to break that up. It's nothing too crazy. I've just got to play better. He said the vet, the veteran guys were telling him to keep his head up, uh, to keep playing. And I thought he did. He finished with nine tackles. He had some bright spot. You know, he, he made some plays as well. And nothing about that kid's confidence was shaken. And he still, after the game said, said, look, I know other people may not feel the same way, but I still think I'm going to be a fantastic player in this league. I'm looking forward to watching this tape. I know I can get better. I know I made some mistakes out there, but I don't care if I give up a million touchdowns. If I'm still on that field, I'm going to fight and try to make plays for my team. For a young kid who could have easily been crushed by that performance, it was encouraging to see. I, I you know, I mean, even that aspect of it, I, I kind of liked what I saw from Josh Williams because I, I think it is a window into what he can be. Again, what can they be in November and December? versus what they are in mid-October. Well, I mean, with Josh Williams, he kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the mental toughness. Like, a lot of the rookies needed to experience this game to understand this is the level that the Chiefs are used to playing at and that the Chiefs kind of expect on a week-in, week-out basis. This was kind of one of those indoctrinating, you know, one of those games where they're kind of introducing them to this is what this is like. You know, this is what the NFL is like, but this is what it's like for – having teams that are constantly coming after you, like the Patriots, the NFL used to do with the Patriots. And now the chiefs are having to experience with the success that they've had and how they become the litmus test for a lot of other NFL teams to where the bills are, the bills feel like they got to beat the chiefs to kind of prove that, yeah, no, they do belong. And they are, they are there. And you can kind of hear that in some of their press conferences afterwards, like even Von Miller talking about this is one of the few times he's won an arrowhead in his career. You know, like, I mean, like, that's, you know, it's those those things that, like, Vaughn felt relieved, and they said they were going to have the plane do backflips, you know, on their way, you know, on the way out of or when they're flying back to kind of celebrate and everything since they're on a bye week. But, I mean, look, Josh Williams, I mean, like you said, he got put on an island. He didn't have safety help over the top with what they were calling, and one of them they held, uh, they held Juan Thornhill with the look. Josh Allen held. Juan Thornhill to look with the trips to the opposite side. And he knew where he was going the entire time. He just had to make sure he held the safety long enough to be able to do that. So he was able to do that on that one with Diggs on the second touchdown. The first touchdown, Gabe Davis put his uh, arm out and extended it into, into the sternum of uh, Josh to be able to gain separation on that one. Those are those little things that, like, I mean, like Josh said, he's going to watch on tape, see, and he'll – understand how to fix that in the future. And there may be a time come playoff time where he gets put in that situation and he, he, he's the guy who makes the difference. So, I mean, like, look, I mean, they when he gets probably easily one of the top three quarterbacks in the league and they held him to what they did. So, I mean, the scheme wise and effectiveness wise, they all were able to do the job they needed to it's just the chiefs, you know, they had, they had some missteps today in some certain spots, and those missteps are what make the difference come playoff time. So, I mean, it's a matter of getting those things corrected whenever that if the Chiefs are able to make it to the playoffs and get to that. And I'm just saying that just in case. So, you know, we'll see how it works out. 
I, I want to go through the one play because I talked to Justin Reed about the touchdown he gave up to Dawson Knox as well. Um, and, and, and that'll get me to another point that I, I want to ask you about. But Reed talked about how he knew from the formation what route Dawson Knox was going to run. So they doubled Steph Diggs. They weren't going to let him beat them there in the red zone. He knew Dawson Knox was running a seven route just from the formation. He jumped the seven route because he thought that it was going to come out on time. So he was trying to bait Josh Allen into it. The pass rush never got home. Josh Allen shifted to the left in the pocket, pointed, and turned it into a comeback route on the sideline and threw an absolute dime. Justin Reed, he admitted he got turned around a little bit when Knox got behind him after he jumped the route and that he was a little too far inside. So when the comeback route, you know, when he, when Knox went for the comeback route, he was out of position. He knew what he did wrong. And, but look, great catch, great throw and catch by the bills there to, to beat him, you know? Um, but the, the important part of that play to me is the pass rush didn't get home. If you can get some pressure on him, um, th- then I, that play never happens in the first place, or or he's got to throw a timing route. How worried are you, or, or what do you see from this Chiefs pass rush that makes you worried when they face elite quarterbacks like a Josh Allen? Because I still don't think they're getting anywhere near enough. And then in addition to that, uh, is there another Melvin Ingram deal out there? <laughs> I mean, look, the Chiefs pass rush, I mean, it, it's – I feel like a broken record at this point because simply Steve Spagnuolo's scheme is based on a pass rush getting there with four. That In an ideal can't. world, in an ideal world, that's that's what needs to happen, and it's it, it just hasn't happened under him with the guys they keep swapping in and out. It's Chris Jones and everybody else. At one point, when it's Chris Jones and Frank Clark or Chris Jones – Occasionally, Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram, they could they could kind of do little pieces here and there, or Emmanuel Ogba, you know, at times. Like, but they they've just never had a full complement on the defensive line of four guys that can get after the quarterback and allow Steve Spagnuolo to do all kind of crazy coverages. And if he needs to bring a fifth a fifth guy to blitz, he can. They just haven't had that in Kansas City. They've struck out a lot with the defensive line that they have. And I'm I mean I'm just gonna tell it like it is. I mean. The other problem they're having right now, not just from a rush perspective, but at the one tech spot, teams are doubling Derek Naughty. Like they are, and they are knocking him back. I don't know if he's, you know, if he's injured. I don't know if it's just kind of that time where, you know, because I mean, when you when you take double teams like that and you're a one tech or a nose guard, like your back starts to wear down over time, over the years. And he's at that point where that back's going to start wearing down. And I thought this was the whole reason that they brought Danny Shelton in was to right. be that one tech that stuffs the you know two gaps that's you that's you doing that you lock that up so chris jones can get one-on-one frank can get low one-on-one carloftis and dunlap can get one-on-one the chiefs have some guys that can all take snaps but the it's just like right now they're not getting enough production on that one tech and they rotate colin saunders in and that's fine but i'm sorry i mean Con, i mean colin saunders he's in a contract here i get it but there's a reason he's a role player and he's not a starter because he doesn't really bring a lot to the table as a pass rusher. He does all they can. He gives be- as much effort as he can. But, man, like the, the only reason that Chiefs were able to get that one sack today is because they finally put Chris Jones a defensive end, which they shouldn't have to do. But he showed everybody how a pass rush is supposed to be. And the sad thing was this is one of Frank Clark's best games as a pass rusher this season. 
and it still wasn't that good. There's not a lot left in that tank. That's just the reality of it. Karloftis is still figuring it out, and he, you know, he doesn't have the, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have the flexibility of a Chris Jones. So I mean, that's just that's kind of that was going to be the knock on him. He's going to be stiff hips occasionally. So I mean, you know, like the the pass rush right now. It's if they don't get something figured out and have to constantly bring the blitz and bring five and bring six, that's what put Josh Williams on an island. And those are what make those problems against, like you said, against the elite quarterbacks. And that's going to continue to be a problem until they go find themselves a flipping pass rush. Yeah. And that's uh, to me, that's the most glaring thing. I I will, you know, I will say like, um, for a team that doesn't have a pass rush to only give up 24 to, to the bills, this moderately impressive i would say yeah. um so so i mean i don't want i don't want it to i don't want to sound like the sky is falling but uh, unless they figure that out it's going to be a problem and and you look at the d-line situation so they signed taylor taylor stallworth instead of danny shelton to the 53 after you know i mean it wasn't a they did a lot of you know roster maneuvers this week, but essentially he was the guy that they they signed to replace Turk Wharton. Um, although the timing was a little off, but then he's inactive for the game. He didn't even yeah, play. Yeah, that's that's what infuriated me today when I saw this. More, I'm like, okay, then why did you sign him to the 53? Right. Like, there's no point. Like, just make a practice squad elevation, uh, unless you thought he was gonna get you know taken off the practice squad and get signed somewhere else a couple of days later even then i'm still okay with that cuz he's not giving you what you need at that one tech spot right and that like i mean i was like i guess they're playing cuz they they only had Colin Saunders, Derek Nadi and Chris Jones as D tackles at that point so i was like so would really like Taylor Stallworth is not better than reducing Mike Dana inside coming off a calf injury where he's missed two and a half games, three and a half games, whatever it was like, that's a better plan than Taylor Stallworth. Then why, why did you sign up to the active roster? Like it didn't make any sense to me. Um, so yeah, I look a D line remains the biggest issue. I think we knew D line was the biggest issue coming into the season though. There's a reason they signed Carlos Dunlap and Danny Shelton in training camp. What the reason they're not using Danny Shelton is remains a mystery to you and me. Um, well, the fun fact is the, the more they keep him on the 50 or the practice squad, more going to keep getting run over up the middle. So that's their choice. Well, and, I mean, the good news is like he hasn't got hurt in the first six weeks of the season since he hasn't played. So, you know, maybe he can be their, uh, their, you know, the 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 uh, Mike Pinnell edition that they get in midseason this year. A guy who comes in and makes all the difference uh, in in for the in the run defense uh, on the way to a Super Bowl, which I still think is absolutely in play for the Chiefs. But I think the other side of the ball. They've got to, I, mean, I, I think the kid, like, look, you saw developing chemistry for a couple of weeks with Marquez Valdez Scantling. You saw, you know, five catches for a hundred, you know, 15 yards, whatever it was in that, that fantastic touchdown from Juju Smith Schuster. I, I think that they'll figure that out uh, as the season goes along. Right. Uh, I think that that's when we talk about the chiefs being a work in progress, that's part of it. And I, I think that they'll get, they'll get that resolved. What issues do you have with the offensive line? Because I'll be honest, I know people are like, Matt, look, that's a really good Bills defense. Um, and I know that Von Miller, you know, I know Von Miller had a couple sacks. I know they, you know, 
Uh, Mahomes took one, you know, owned one of them, said he held on to the ball too long. Another was, you know, look, bum, there is no shame in getting beat by a Von Miller spin move. There's a long list of guys who's, who've gotten beaten by that. He, you know, when he breaks it out. So it's hard for me to get mad at Andrew Wiley for getting beat on that. I actually thought Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. Held up better at the tackle spots than I was expecting. Maybe I'm grading on a curve here. Cause I wasn't expecting a whole lot, but was the off. Uh, what'd you think of the offensive line today and, and how much of it do you think is scheme? Cause I still think a lot of it comes down to them not playing to the strengths of that unit in the run game. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do this in layers. Uh, first layer is uh, we've talked about on before. pick what you're going to run. Are you going to run gap run gap? Are you going to run zone run zone, but your offensive linemen don't really enjoy that. If you're going to run RPO, you know, the problem with RPO is it happened again today and it cost them seven points right. whenever they ran RPO and Creed Humphrey gets downfield and it's that touchdown for Val- Valdez Scantling. And if I remember correctly, I think that's when they threw the interception on that drive. If I, I may be mixing that up with a field goal, I don't remember, but I know it cost them points and those points were the difference in, 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 you know, in that, in that game. And like it's just like you got to make up your minds. You can't be this versatile run game wise because your offensive lines hinder is being hindered from it, and your running backs are not thriving in it. The only guy that has the athletic ability to thrive in any of it right now is Jarek McKinnon, and like that's just because of his pure athletic ability. Pacheco's a power run guy. Got to run straight line ahead. That's what he succeeds at. He likes running people over and being physical. He's not a dynamic guy. You see that on kick returns pretty quick. Like, that's just not, you know, it's not his cup of tea. And then, you know, with, with Clyde over to I watched all four of the chiefs bills games from the past couple of years, you know, past couple of years and Clyde, his rookie year versus where he's at now. So much of his lateral quickness is gone since that new Orleans injury that he had a long time ago when he got bent like a pretzel, he doesn't have the lateral quickness anymore. And like defenses catch him once he hits the hole, because he doesn't have that. And so that's a problem, you know, so you can't, so running him on those zones and off tackles, that waste what he can potentially do as well. He's better as a receiver in space and just getting straight line runs as well. So, I mean, I just, I just feel like, you know, I still don't feel like they have their identity in the run game. And that, that takes away some of the confidence in the O line for them to get in a rhythm. And then on top of it, look, I mean, the tackles, they do the best they can, but I just, I just don't see Mahomes trusting them, you know, after kind of how things have gone, he's just used to a certain, uh, time to have to bail out of the pocket. And like, that's just built in his head right now. And part of that's because the receiver struggles with man coverage, but then it's also just kind of, that's just what he's used to at this point. So, I mean, if the chiefs had, it, I mean, there's, like I said, it's in layers. If they, if they stick to one style of run and run it and do it successfully, like they did in 2015, I think they will find the online performance to get better and to be able to be more versatile. And then if they add that in with, the you know with what what they maybe it helps them you know in some pass protection I don't know we'll see but I mean you know I mean I know everybody keeps asking about Lucas Niang but like that injury from if you look at timetables that normally takes a year and that was in January so I mean like there's still a lot of time I know people want to hold out that he's the hope that's going to be the difference at right tackle but you know like I mean it's just I don't know there's there's some things that are like kind of a house of cards on some of the roster building and like it, you know, with defensive line and offensive tackle and, 
you know, a little bit of receiver. And like, it, it's just like, there's just these things that like, it's just going to take a couple injuries for it to come crashing down. And I don't want that to be the case, but I also don't want Mahomes' quality years wasted. Yeah. And I think, look, I think every team has, has those positions, right. Where you're one injury away from, from really struggling with that spot, because that's just the the limitations of the salary cap at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think if, if people are, I, I don't know when Lucas Niang became like one of the best right tackles in the league, you know, and like I think he's, he's the best right tackle they have on their roster, but I also don't know that he fixes all the issues that they have up front. And look, maybe Andy is, is like, like we talked about, like the chiefs aren't a finished product and maybe he feels like they need to be multiple in, in the way they block and what they do so that they can, uh, you know, do, you know, attack teams the way they need to moving into the playoffs. And so maybe he's going to stick with that because he needs them to develop it over the next 11 weeks. Maybe he'll look at, you know, do a self-evaluation when they hit the bye week and say, these things aren't working, scrap it. And they'll, they'll play to their strengths in the second half of the season. I mean, that's up to Andy and his staff to figure out what they, what they need from the offense. I think it's clear that something needs to change though. I also, I would kind of defer to Andy Reid and his staff on being able to figure that out um, as the season goes along. Um, so again, I don't think there's any reason to hit the panic button after this. I know they're four and two, but this isn't like that. To me, this isn't like the Colts game at all. Um, the Colts game was disappointing all the way around. Um, I, 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 it's hard. I mean, look, Mahomes went 25 of 40. He had, you know, the, the interceptions, it's a little bit of a live with the sword, die by, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Right. Like, I mean, he, Marquez Valdez Scantling got his hands on that ball in the end zone. It, it Kyrie Elam just made a better play and wrestled it away from him. But I don't think you want to take that out of Mahomes' bag. I mean, you hope that he learns from it and maybe, you know, doesn't throw it into double coverage. But how many times have we, you know, thought, no, oh, you know, don't throw that, don't throw that, you know, and then it ends up being some sort of magical play. I don't think you want to take that away from him. The interception at the end of the game, look, I think that one you just tip your cap. I think it goes back to the trust issues you talked about with the tackles because Von Miller crashed inside. And I think Patrick got a little skittish and, and and instead of stepping to the right and up a little bit in the pocket when he had more time, I think he just immediately went into bailout mode. And I think that it, it was a smart scheme by the, the Bills. They only rushed three, and they kept Milano in the middle in a zone as a spy. The minute Patrick Mahomes stepped outside, he came bombing up the field. And so when Sky Moore comes on the crosser, Matt Milano's right in his face, which is what forced Patrick Mahomes to double clutch and hold it, for another second. And when he did, they had a man dragging behind sky Moore, but behind that they were, they had dropped guys into zone and look, Taron Johnson read it perfectly. Saw what was coming when Mahomes double clutched. He knew he was going to sky Moore. He broke on it. He got to the spot before sky Moore did. Um, and, and that's all she wrote on that one. I think that's a, though, both of those are learning moments for Patrick Mahomes. And I'd still trust him more often than not in that situation to get the job done. Um, so you know, I, I don't know. Any other takeaways for you? Um, on on the first interception, part of the problem was Valia Scantling and Moore went to the same spot. So Moore's defender carried into into Valdez Scantling. So they were going they're both going back to that back pylon. 
So that's another one of those things they got to work on from a fire drill perspective when you're trying to get open. Try you got to get proper spacing so it doesn't potentially turn into double coverage because that's why the defender was able to drift and be able to make the interception and necessarily wasn't double coverage. It was just he ran his defender into that spot and his defender's keeping an eye on the quarterback. So there's you, you got to have proper spacing or things like that happen. And then for the second interception, like you're talking about there, um, I mean, look, I mean, once Milano, like you said, once Milano came, it was. Patrick knew he had to get rid of the ball very quickly. There's going to be a lot of pain in his future. And with the zone that they were playing, I mean, they were just reading what Patrick was doing right there. And look, I mean, another I couldn't part tell, of it, I couldn't tell if it was quarters or, or thirds, but there were at least three guys who just backpedaled out into an intermediate zone off that play. Yeah. So, and then the, the other part of it is, is like, they're, they're still trying to find their speed receiver. Like they're, they're trying to see if it's going to be sky Moore. Or is it McColl? And they're really trying to find out between the two of them who it's going to be. And, you know, Justin Watson hasn't really been able to turn into that guy for them as well. So, I mean, they're, they're still trying to figure that out. And that speed receiver may not be on the roster right now. Like, But they're, they may need another jolt of receiver somewhere if they can find it. So there's just – and it's not going to be one of those guys on the practice squad. I'm just telling you, those are a bunch of possession yeah. receivers. So, yeah. like, the, you know, I mean – Here's here's the I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it like it is, if if they had a healthy Tyreek Hill out there today, that game is a whole different ball game. Yeah, everybody's feasting, everybody's eating, and the Bills are playing a lot of off coverage with that with, with that group of wide receivers. So, you know, I mean, it's I mean, there's and 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 the Chiefs are still within four points even without that. You know, even without the yeah. dynamic speed ability. So. It is what it is on that. I mean, there's still, like we said, there's still three positions right now that they really kind of, they got to do what they got to do to to improve it if they want to get to where they want to go. And we'll see if today, we'll see down the road if today was the thing that gets Buffalo, the AFC championship game at their house or what happens here in the next couple of months. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to go to Buffalo. Um, in January, <laughs> that sounds like an awful experience, but, uh, but look, I mean, you know, if that's where it is, I'm sure that, you know, if it comes down to the, the chiefs playing and, and, you know, for a, a crack at another super bowl and, you know, the league says, Hey, you got to go to Buffalo for it. I'm sure every chiefs fan and the chiefs would be happy, um, to make that trip. So, um, all right, well, we can talk more about what, the return of Willie Gay and presumably of, of Trent McDuffie, things like that will mean um, uh, later in the week when we look forward to uh, a 49ers game that suddenly doesn't seem quite as formidable as I once expected it to be. Um, but uh, other than that, anything else you want to, anything else you got? No, nope, I'm good. All right. Sounds good. Uh, for Nick Jacobs, I'm Tom Palmer. Take care, kids.